ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're gonna bring, bring it all together. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Thank you for joining us for this uh, Sunday morning edition of the bottom line. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Miss Judy, keep hustling today. Make sure to take your meds. 859-381-1313. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can email the show anytime. Bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. By the way, in case you missed it, we are now on Saturdays and Sundays at 9 o'clock. So if you missed the show yesterday, we gave you three out of four winning picks in the the NCAA tournament against the spread. And our guest yesterday, and our MMA expert, Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast, he gave you four out of five winners in last night's UFC card. So nothing but winners on yesterday's edition of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. So make sure you listen on Saturdays and Sundays. Of course, Vince will be uh, joining us going forward, giving more MMA picks. We have MMA export experts, horse racing experts. Whatever we don't follow closely on this show, we have people who will join us, who will help you cash tickets in every sport there is to be wagered on. That's here on The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel, and we will try to keep that winning streak going today. On today's show, with all the bracket fever going on in the last couple of weeks, Major League Baseball opening day has creeped up on us without realizing it. Because with all the bracket fever, who cares about this baseball stuff? But we are the voice of the, of the Reds here on ESPN Radio. All 162 games can be heard on these airwaves. And our own Reds expert here at ESPN Radio, Alan Stein, will join us to talk about the upcoming season. Alan and I have very good-natured and high-spirited debates about baseball, so that'll be Something we look forward to. Of course, we will talk the NCAA tournament and uh, a Lexington tradition unlike any other. Our Mac Daddy Stogie picks coming off yet another profitable day yesterday. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio sensation. But first, can you stand the rain? Back in the day, there was an R&B group called New Edition. You might have heard of them especially if you're of a certain age like me. Bobby Brown, you've heard of him, who we can allege uh, ruined the great Whitney Houston. May she rest in peace. He was the headliner of that group. I remember watching the BET documentary a few years ago about that uh, about New Edition. It was good. New Edition was one of my favorites, as good as it got back in the late 80s. Of course, fame, money, all kinds of other stuff ruined them, like a lot of other rock groups, music groups do back Back in those days and today, but I digress. But my favorite new edition song from back then, and I know I had this cassette tape somewhere uh, being stored in a shoebox somewhere in my possession. Going to have to find it one of these days. My favorite new edition song was a song called Can You Stand the Rain? Storms will come, this we know for sure, but can you stand the rain? In other words... Life isn't always unicorns and leprechauns and pots of gold at the end of the rainbow and where's the beef commercials. Sometimes it's not so good. When I was a kid, the good times were when my mom would get my dinner from McDonald's or Pizza Hut 
back when Pizza Hut was, like, really good. And the bad times, when we said, uh, she told me that we were going home. We were going to eat soup beans, and she'd make me eat two carrots she put on my plate just to upset me. And she'd make sausage balls that were as tough as golf balls. Big difference. I'm kidding. Uh, Yeah, sure. I'm kidding about all that. Of course I am. Anyway, when we are trying to pick winners in the NCAA tournament, some days you have to be able to stand the rain. One of our favorite trends during the tournament, FTP, fade the public. If you blindly faded the public and been a contrarian for the last 15 years in this tournament, just literally going against what the public is on, you'd be covering the spread at a 57.3% rate. That's very good. I'll take 53, I'll take 57.3% for the rest of my life. You'll never hear from me again. Because why would I want to be on the radio when I'm living on a yacht in the middle of the ocean? But yesterday, the public got their revenge on the books. After the books cleaned out the public early in this tournament, the books got cleaned out yesterday as three of the four games ended with the public being on the right side. Syracuse getting blown out by our beloved Houston Cougars was the only game where the public took it on the chin yesterday. But the lesson to be learned here is if you do fade the public, something we like to do quite a bit, especially in this tournament, you have to be able to take the cold streaks. Can you stand the rain? Playing these games out in the desert isn't like a bar graph with the line of profit going straight up. It's a line with hills, peaks, and valleys. There are hot streaks. There are cold streaks. Can you stand the rain? I mentioned this yesterday. When it comes to picking winners out in the desert, money management and discipline is actually more important than picking the winners themselves. Oh, that's crazy talk. If I can pick 75% winners, it doesn't matter. Oh, really? Well, go ahead and try to pick your 75% winners over a long period of time. And then we can talk. But nobody does that. Even the best sports prognosticators in the world hit less than 60% against the spread. So you think you can do better than that. Okay, go ahead. Picking these winners, it's tough. The desert is filled with people who move out there thinking they could hit 60%, beat the house, and have a life of luxury. You know, stuff like you see in the movies. You know, they glamorize sports gambling like it's some easy thing. No, it's not. It's hard. It's hard work. And you got to do it every day. And you got to do the same thing every day. But thinking you could go out there and just, boom, start beating the desert, that's called delusion, delusional thinking. It's like those kids on American Idol who think they're the best singers in the world, and then Simon Cowell tells them they're hiring at the Waffle House. Another delusional problem have when people try to pick these games. Unrealistic expectations. Kind of like when the Big Blue Nation, when they think their basketball team is winning the national championship, and they can't even make the NCAA tournament. Expectations need to be realistic and tempered. If you can win 54% of your picks over a year, some people think that's a failure. That's all? 54%? Oh, that's nothing. Anybody could do that. Really? Why don't you try it for a year? Try to hit 54% against the spread. Go from baseball to football to basketball. Why don't you try to do it? If you hit 54% over a complete calendar year, you've done very well. You've probably added a lot more to your bankroll than you had before. 
So if you hit 54% for this tournament, that's good. That's a profit. But for some people, 54% is not enough. Those are the people that don't last. They try desperate things like trying to hit those 10-team parlays that never cash. I always say, anytime you walk out of a sports book or a casino with $1 more than you walked in with, that's a win. You should treat it as such. So if you faded the public yesterday, which is a historically strong trend to follow in this NCAA tournament, you might have had a tough day. But if you can stand the rain, like New Edition told us back in the day, you'll be able to fire again today, using the same trends and probably making a strong comeback based on history and regression to the mean. And then you can live a good life. Because just like Bobby and Whitney told us back in the day, crack is whack. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. On Saturday, we saw those underdogs in the Sweet 16. Uh, They split 2-2 against the spread, but the favorites won 3 out of 4 straight up. The big story, of course, was the unders. And we've been playing the unders. We played 2 yesterday in our picks. The unders yesterday went 4-0. The point totals yesterday. The unders now for the tournament, 32-21. That's 60%. That's very good. This speaks to the value of going contrarian this time of year, something we always speak very highly of that we like to do, because the market is flooded with that public money, and the vast majority of the betters like to go over. Why do they like to take the over? Because it's fun to root for those points. No one wants to sweat the unders in this. However, the odds makers, they know. That's what the public does. That's why they shade these numbers to the over. That's why it prevents people from piling up on these overs, and it provides value for people who go under and buy low. People like us, who are always looking for value of these, especially when you add in things like neutral courts, unfamiliar sight lines, pressure of postseason play. Unders are always the way we look to cash in during this tournament. And of course, as we always like to say, we always root against human accomplishment anyway. And when you have another, uh, we have another under that we like today. We'll have that in our Mac Daddy Stogas coming up later in the show. Houston, last night, they pulled away to route Syracuse uh, by 16 to advance to the Elite Eight. And uh, they covered as six-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, the Pac-12, they're now 10-1 and one against the spread in this tournament. Oregon State, a seven-point dog. Outright upset of Loyola Chicago. Not many people have that one. So, yes, the unders. Really coming through. There were dogs that covered yesterday. Will the Unders continue their hot streak today? We shall see. But how's your brackets looking right now? You had Oregon State in the Elite Eight, right? How many of you had Arkansas getting this far? Well, if you had some SEC bias, which we know a lot of people here in the Big Blue Nation have, maybe you did. But most people had Ohio State taking out Arkansas yesterday. And Ohio State has been long gone in this tournament. Baylor and Houston, the chalky teams now, as big favorites to make the Final Four. We'll go over that in just a minute. But it's easy to pick these brackets now, huh? Why do we not have two out of three in these series? Why do we not like the NBA to have best of seven in these series? First of all, it takes forever. But second, it just takes away from the magic of this tournament and being able to try to predict these games. That's what makes the tournament so great. And that's what makes underdogs and under the totals, so valuable, especially in March. Even fading the public. Other than yesterday, still a very profitable trend 
and a profitable way to go. But coming up after the break, speaking of profitable, it's the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks Sweet 16 edition. That's coming up after the break. But first, our title sponsor, Stable Duel. Stable Duel is a locally owned business here in Lexington, and the Stable Duel app, up and running, it's magical if you put that thing on your phone. There's daily games and big cash prizes, easy to use, even if you're new to horse racing. I've been on the app a few times. It's easy, fun. I'm looking forward to using Stable Duel, especially during Keeneland, which starts up very soon, and these Triple Crown races coming up this spring. If an idiot like me can figure out how to use it on my phone, I know you can too. So go download Stable Duel right now and get their app and start playing right out right out of the gate. Low buy-ins, big payouts, and play against your buddies for true racing domination. So download the app today or check them out online, StableDuel.com. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Yeah, Johnny Gill was the most talented guy in uh, New Edition. That's just me. That's neither here nor there. We got Sweet 16 games today, all of which can be heard on ESPN Radio 1392.5. The lid lifter at 2 o'clock, number one seeded Gonzaga, a 13.5-point favorite. Wow, that's a lot of points. Uh, Over Creighton, the number five seed. Creighton, uh, the only team playing today that has a losing record against the point spread this year. They're 14 and 16, 22 and 8 overall. Of course, we all know Gonzaga undefeated, 28-0. Their point spread record, not much better, 14 and 14. So if you'd bet on both these teams every game this year blindly, you would have lost money on both of them. Just tells you how hard it is, like we were saying earlier. It's hard to cover these spreads out in the desert. Creighton, they beat uh, two double-digit seeds. They beat 12 seeded Santa Barbara, and again, they probably should have lost. They only lost, won that game by one point. Then they beat Ohio, 13 seed in the second round. Of course, Gonzaga has boat raced their two opponents, including uh, running one coach out of the out of the business. Lon Kruger of Oklahoma, he retired after they lost to Gonzaga. He probably was like, sheesh, we can't keep up with these guys. Line in this game opened 13 and a half. It stayed at 13 and a half. Of course, the public all over Gonzaga, but that's a big number because when you see that, 13 and a half points in this uh, this round of the tournament, that's a tough that's a tough number to lay. We've seen the line stick around. Line never reached 14. If you read between the lines of this one, it looks like all the liability is on Creighton plus the points. Ken Pomeroy has Gonzaga winning by 12, but that uh, provides an edge to Creighton on the current number. We like that. And in the tournament, uh, dogs, underdogs that see the line stay the same or move in their favor. Uh-huh. 18-10 and 10 against the spread this year. That's 64.3%. It's very good. Total this one, 158 and a half. It's fallen down to 158. A trend we like for this game. Don't forget Creighton has uh, been the under the last four games in their uh, tournament here. Creighton, in their last game, only allowed 58 points. And in this tournament, when you are a team that's an underdog and you allowed less than 60 in the game before, you cover the spread 57.3% of the time in the last 15 years. 177 up, 132 down. These coaches against the spread. Greg McDermott, not much to choose from, but he's 4-8. and eight. Mark Few at Gonzaga, 17-23 against the spread. Lifetime in this tournament. So neither coach gives us much to go with. We're going to take Creighton today, getting that 13-and-a-half. That's a Mac Daddy Stogie for you. Take Creighton getting the 13-and-a-half. It's a lot of points. Creighton's not a terrible team. 
We're going to take them to keep this one close, not win, keep this one close. After that game, another number one seed, Michigan. Now a two-point favorite over Florida State. Michigan, 18-8 and against the spread, but 22-4 and on the year. Florida State, what can we say about Leonard Hamilton? We're going to say it in just a minute. 18-6, and 12-12 against the point spread this year. Florida State breezed through the tournament so far. It blew out uh, Greensboro and Colorado. Of course, Michigan, still uh, without their star, Isaiah Livers. Uh, they crushed Texas Southern. And then they beat LSU in a game they uh, struggled quite a bit with. Public rushing to the window to lay the short number with Michigan in this one. They have a majority of the money. However, the line has fallen from three to two and a half now to two this morning. Some shops may even go lower by game time. So if you're looking to take uh, Florida State, you might want to get them early. Of course, again, the live move in the dogs' favor uh, in this tournament, 11-7, Ken Palm has Michigan winning by four points. That means the analytics tell you Michigan should win and cover in this game. Jawan Howard, this is his first tournament, 1-1 against the spread. But Leonard Hamilton, a guy that uh, we always wonder, well, we know why people around here like him. Well, he used to coach at Kentucky. He was an assistant for a long time. So, of course, people here like him. But against the spread out in the desert in this tournament, no. It's not a good idea to back him. At Florida State, Leonard Hamilton, 7-11 and against the point spread in NCAA tournament games at Florida State. We'll pass on this one. Analytics point one way, trends point another. And do you trust Leonard Hamilton? We don't. You might, but we don't. After that one, interesting game, especially for us. Number two, Alabama. Six-and-a-half point favorite. 145-and-a-half total. Against number 11, UCLA. UCLA, we've been on three times in this tournament, and we've cashed tickets three times in this tournament. They're sitting at 20-9, and 15-14 against the spread, which means they came into this tournament with a losing record. Of course, UCLA, the only team in the tournament to win three games. They beat Michigan State, BYU, and then got a breeze against Abilene Christian in the second round. Alabama has won both their games by double digits. Of course, they took out your friend and mine, Rick Pitino, and then really stuck it to Maryland uh, in the second round in this one. Line open, Alabama, five-and-a-half point favorite, public split, but this line has really gone up. The Sharps have been on the Crimson Tide in this one. Of course, Ken Palm thinks this game is going to be a little bit closer. Ken Palm says this game will be 74-70. He only has Alabama winning by four. UCLA gave up 47 points last game. So there's a defensive streak. We talked about it with Creighton. And, of course, UCLA, the slow tournament dogs, the slow-paced dogs that we love to play in this tournament. Anytime you see a dog getting uh, 70 possessions or less a game, that's UCLA. We've played them. That's why we've played them three times this tournament. That's why we've cashed three times this tournament. Nate Oates in the tournament, lifetime, 4-3. and three. Mick Cronin, in his days at Cincinnati mostly, was 9-8 and eight against the spread in this tournament, but he's 3-0 and oh this year. So he's cash tickets this year. We like this game a lot. We're going to take UCLA, getting those six and a half points, and we're going to go under the total in this one with a neutral court under. Yes, UCLA and under. We like this one. UCLA has a shot to win this game. That's a good team Alabama's playing today. I know Alabama's the big public favorite. Line's going up. We'll take our chances again. We'll ride this hot streak with UCLA. Give us UCLA six and a half and under the 145 and a half total. And the most interesting game of the night for our money, USC, two-point favorite tonight in the uh, last game of the night, against their uh, conference uh, rival, Oregon. Two things you don't want to do in this tournament. 
You don't want to go against Dana Altman as one of them. He's 16-5. and five. We've talked about him quite a bit, how we like Dana Altman. He's great, the coach of Oregon. 16-5 against the spread in this tournament. But what about the USC coach, Andy Enfield? If you count his time at Florida Gulf Coast, he has played nine NCAA tournament games. His team has covered the spread all nine times. Huh. Two very good tournament coaches in this game. The two best in terms of point spread records and making you money out in the desert. These are the two best coaches in America in the NCAA tournament of cashing tickets. So you get no better on that angle from this. Lined open UCLA one and a half point favorite. A lot of money hit the Trojans early. Trojans, I think, are the better team. Ken Palm has UCLA, or excuse me, USC winning by four, but it's always tough to go against Oregon in this spot. But I will tell you this right now. The winner of this game, I'm taking in the next round against Gonzaga in getting the points in the Elite Eight. I can promise you that. I don't care who wins. I'm taking them against Gonzaga in the next round. So we'll pass on this game and just wait to play this team the next round against Gonzaga. So to recap our Mac Daddy Stogies for today, Take Creighton getting that 13.5 against Gonzaga and take UCLA getting 6.5 against Alabama and go under in that Alabama-UCLA game, 145.5. Coming up after the break, we're going to shift our focuses a little bit to baseball. And our good friend Alan Stein, our Reds expert, we're going to talk Reds and opening day and all kinds of good fun stuff. But first, I am third. They work to carry out the commitment to serve the city of Lexington and the surrounding counties by offering camps and activities like basketball, soccer, equine, tennis, and a variety of other sports. They do great work over at IM 3rd. We were out there a few weeks ago for the basketball championships. Great time. It was a great atmosphere. So call our good friend Jeremy Hobbs and inquire about their spring programs for your kids. IM3rd.org. That's IM3rd.org. ESPN Radio, 1392.5. Thanks for joining us here on this Sunday morning. We've been talking brackets, brackets, brackets for weeks, but there's something going on down in uh, out in the desert, out in Arizona, down in Florida. It's called spring training baseball. And with us now, we have our resident Reds expert here at ESPN Radio. Talking about popular, I went to lunch with this guy one time. Literally everybody in the place came up to him and said hello, and none of those people had a clue who I was. He's our friend, Alan Stein. Alan, thank you for joining us here on this Sunday morning, buddy. Good morning, Brad. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us. You bet. Last Glad se- to do it. Anytime. Thank you, sir. Last season, the Reds spent a lot of money, a lot of big free agent signings. And this year, they didn't really make a whole lot of moves in the offseason. Neither did really anybody in the National League Central. Why did the Reds kind of write back the checkbooks this year? Well, you know, it's interesting. You You just made a very astute observation about the National League Central. Uh, very very few moves in that that part of uh, Major League Baseball, and there is really a reason why. Uh, I would suggest to you that uh, with the pandemic and everybody having to cut back, no fans in the stands, no revenues coming in beyond whatever their TV contracts were, in the Midwest, where you find clubs like the Reds and the Brewers and the Cardinals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they don't have the great big giant TV regional deals that the Mets, the the coastal teams all have. And without fans coming into the ballparks, they have less, less revenue than some of the other clubs do. So 
If you look both at the American League and the National League Central divisions in the Midwest, you're going to find so many of those clubs who made fewer moves. And so it really was an economic deal. Now, the Reds, you know, you could, you could make a case. You can make a case if you thought what they did last year in the offseason was valuable, spending the big money that they did. They didn't get the results out of those guys. But every one of them underperformed in what was a very aberrational year. So the Reds are banking on the guys, Castellanos and Moustakas, uh, you know, coming through with what they had anticipated they would get. Throw in Shogo Akiyama, and you've got some guys that they really spent some money on and didn't get results, and they're hoping they will this year. So you're saying, even though they did finish 31-29, and 29, you're saying, even though they made the playoffs, they might have had the worst playoff run in the history of Major League Baseball last year. So with all that money spent, last year had to be a disappointment, right? It, it was. Uh, you know, but it's a mixed bag. They were building. The excitement was there. Uh, they did make the playoffs. They had some great performances with Trevor Bauer winning the Cy Young, for example. Jesse Winker having a very strong year. Um, you know, there, there was a lot to be said about coming in at 31-29 and making the playoffs that they hadn't made in many years. So it was a mixed bag. But I think you're right, Brad. Overall, uh, you can look at the way the season ended in Atlanta, uh, not scoring a single run in the playoffs. Uh, as a bit of a disappointment, but with bright future on the outside looking in. So we'll see. You know, they're 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 banking on those guys coming back and coming through, and they've made even though they made very few changes uh, to the roster of significance. Um, you know, they've, they've made some internal changes that might make the club look very different this year. Let's get to some of these guys. Let's get to some of these hitters. Joey Votto. Sure. For my money, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's very underappreciated in Cincinnati. There's only one player in the last 50 years that has played the game of baseball that has a better on-base percentage, and that's Barry Bonds. But now Joey Votto, 37 years old, three straight years of a downhill slide, two straight years <laughs> Where his number says, well, he's just a, a guy. He's just an average guy. Now he can't really hit lefties. Does he have one more good year left in him, or is it over for Joey Votto? Well, I don't think it's over for Joey Votto. Yeah, even uh, with his downtrend in the last two and a half years, uh, he's still a Major League Plus baseball player. Um, so, you know, he's not finished. But they need him to be more of the Joey Votto that they had for 10 years than the, what they've had in the last two years. Now, there is, you know, there, there's there's a, a, a bright light there as well. Votto himself uh, kind of straightened himself out toward the end of last year. He added to his power numbers. His on-base percentage went up the last third of, of the 20 season, and he came into spring training with a new attitude, a new stance, a new approach. And uh, was was really playing very well. Got tagged with the COVID nineteen quarantine, and is just now coming back uh, into form for the Reds. 
it looks like he's going to make the squad and not be on, on the injured list going in. And you know what? He's played three straight games now. He had a hit last night. He scored a couple of runs. He's running the bases. I'm looking for Joey Botto to have, you know, not not his MVP-type season, but I look for him to have his best year in the last three coming up. So uh, with Bot- if Botto can do that, that's a really key linchpin for that lineup. And uh, I- I'm looking for Joey to have a pretty decent year. Let's look at lineup construction. Joey Votto yeah. was leading off for a while last year, and that was a complete disaster. Yeah, other, it didn't work. Yeah, that did not work, to say the least. They have other options. Nick Senzel, who had the worst on-base percentage on the whole team last year and is already hurt again this year. And then your guy, you mentioned him, Jesse Winker, the best player offensively they had last year, but he runs with a piano on his back. Who should be yeah. leading off for this team? Yeah, you know, I, I've read two or three articles uh, by the writers in Cincinnati over the la- over the weekend, and it's all about lineup construction. I'm gonna guess, uh, David. You know, as we know, David Bell is one of the guys who likes to play the analytics, the numbers. He's your kind of guy, um, and he he's looking at uh, almost in every variation of lineup construction, the right, left, right, left. Uh, kind of construction of those lineups, and it's um, it's kind of interesting how they do that uh, because not all of their lineups make that work very well. So it looks to me, Nick Senzel has had uh, a, a good spring. He's hit three twenty four, I think, over the spring. I think he'll be in the leadoff spot with Akiyama, particularly. Uh, still, he's going to start the season on the uh, injured reserve list. So I'm thinking that that Nick Senzel is going to be uh, right there um, in in the leadoff spot at right hander, and that might put Botto hitting second. Um, and they could flip flop with uh, with Winker depending on how that goes as well. So you know, I, I think we're probably looking at a lineup that looks something along the lines of um, Senzel, a righty, Vado, and then Castellanos, and then Moustakas, uh, and Suarez hitting fifth. But there'll be a variation of that. But I think David Bell is very much into the right-hander, left-hander, right-hander, left-hander. And with the new rule that started last year where a, a reliever coming in has to face a minimum of three guys, it's harder to get those lefty-on-lefty matchups if you go right-left, right-left. So I think that's what David's going to do. By the way, I I did catch that little cheap shot with David Bell comparing him as my kind of guy. I caught that. I saw saw what you did there, so don't don't think that you got that one past me. But I've I've heard you mention the spring training a lot. You mentioned spring training, and I'm looking at these standings. The Reds have the worst record of the entire Cactus League at seven and eighteen. So should I just give up now if we're going to base it off these spring training stuff? No, not at all. You know, spring training win loss records make zero difference. Uh, you know, especially with clubs who ha- are are experimenting with other things. The Reds at the bottom of their roster still aren't settled with who's going to be playing in the infield, who the reserves and utility guys are going to be. 
They haven't even made a decision on whether they're going to carry four or five outfielders yet. So, you know, those things are very, uh, very interesting. If you, and I'm sure you probably have, I think the Reds are what, 7 and 18, 7, 17, something like that. 7 and 18, correct. Okay. (laughs) But if you take a good look at, uh, at what they've done in spring training, uh, their key guys uh, have performed pretty well, and they're just not playing them a lot, and they've lost a whole bunch of games in the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings uh, when the guys who are not even in camp anymore uh, were given prominent roles. So I'm not worried about spring training. That never makes any difference. One of my favorite recollections was back in the 70s when Everybody was freaking out because the New York Yankees uh, had won 18 out of 22 games, and the Yankees were coming back. And, of course, they finished, like, in fifth place in in their division that year. So, yeah, spring training doesn't matter that much when you look at one-loss records. But what what you do look at, though, is the trend of key players. I'm going to give you one statistic that you're going to love, and it's – Absolutely amazing. They traded the Reds, let Rysel Iglesias get away from him, who's been their closer for a few years and is rated amongst the top five or six closers in all of baseball. Uh, he, they let him go. It was a, a money-saving deal. And Amir Garrett, the big left-hander, former basketball player, uh, who is an oversized personality, by the way, uh, declared himself as the closer. Well, he came into spring training. He had a strained elbow, and so he got a late start in spring training, but still declared himself he's going to be the closer. Well, he's pitched in three games. He's ready to go. He's faced three batters in the ninth inning of all three games that he's pitched, and he has struck out all nine of those guys. He's faced three in three uh, hitters in three games, and he struck them all out. That's something to look forward to as the, as the Reds get into the season. And if they can lock down that closer position with Logan Sims and Amir Garrett, that's going to go a long way in, in uh, helping the Reds be a better club this year. But you stole my thunder on that one. I was going to ask you about that because I also oh. noticed the nine strikeouts and nine batters. But this is a guy, Amir Garrett, one career save, career ERA, 4.89. And I'm supposed to believe now he's going to be a closer just because he came in and said, I'm going to be the closer? Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a stud. There's, there's no question that he's a stud. And, uh, and he has actually had a very decent career. Um, there have been a few outings where he lost control, lost his uh, pinpoint control. Uh, and that's affected his long-term uh, kind of ERA stats. But he he has the ability and the makeup uh, to make that happen for the Reds in the in the ninth inning. And so, I, yeah, I think in spite of what those numbers might say, you could look for him to be one of the rising uh, talents in baseball in that position. Starting pitching. The quiet, shy, soft-spoken Trevor Bauer is gone. Sonny Gray is hurt. <laughs> Lorenzen's hurt. 
So your starting yep. rotation to start the season is going to be Luis Castillo. Okay, he's good. Right. And then Tyler Malley, Wade Miley, right. Jeff Hoffman. Yep. And outside of Castillo, who's probably one of the best 10 pitchers in the league, if you ask me, how am I supposed to get excited about this team with that rotation starting the season? Doesn't look very good to me. Well, you're not you're not completely wrong there. I, I, they're going to need Lorenzen uh, to come back as quickly as he can, and Sonny Gray will be there. He'll he'll make his second start, uh, so they're going to miss one start with Gray. So the rotation with Castillo, Gray, and Molly is pretty solid, and and most experts consider that to be you know, in the upper quad quadrant of all of Major League starting rotations at the key one, two, three spots. Uh, Wade Miley, the veteran, uh, we didn't get much out of him last year, but he's had uh, a couple of injuries in the spring, but his last two outings have been solid. Uh, so they're counting on him in that fourth spot. Uh, without Lorenzen, we don't know who's going to be in that last position, it looks like it's either going to be Hoffman, uh, who is a, a long-time successful pitcher in the major leagues, um, or uh, Jose De Leon. And he's a really interesting case for longtime Reds fans. Uh, when you see De Leon pitch, you think back to the early days of Mario Soto or Jose Rio, a big strong, uh, high-velocity right-hander. And if he can harness that, um, you know, he, he could be a, a very uh, efficient Major League starter. His problem is control. Um, you know, he comes in, he, his first outing in spring training, he struck out the first seven guys he faced. Uh, and then he walked five in a row. And then he hit two guys. So... Yeah, he's a wild card there, Brad. You're right to be worried about this rotation uh, as it comes out of spring training. But as soon as Sonny Gray gets back, and if Lorenzen uh, can work his way back within the first couple of weeks, they should be okay. ESPN Radio 1392.5, the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. With us is Alan Stein, our resident Reds expert and the uh, founder and former owner of the Lexington Legends. Okay, Alan, let's say you and I are taking a road trip to, oh, I don't know, the Indiana Desert and the Belterra Casino and Sportsbook. We just we got just on a whim, you know, we got we were headed to McDonald's and got lost, took a couple of wrong turns. <laughs> and let's say we walk, we stumble somehow, we stumble into the sports book, look up at the big board, and we see the Reds win total eighty one and a half there at the Belterra. Should I go over or under eighty one and a half wins for the Reds this season, Alan Stein? You know, I think 81 and a half is right at it. The guys in the desert build those big places because they know what they're talking about. But I think I would bet the over. Um, I, and, uh, and that hinges a whole lot uh, on whether Joey Votto uh, is uh, trending, is going to play the way he's been trending from the end of last season and into this spring training. Uh, and the other piece of that, I'm, I, I have real concerns uh, when we talk about spring training, two things that really jump out are Moustakas and Castellanos. 
And Castellanos has had a, a, a terrific spring. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him in consideration for comeback player of the year. I think he's going to have a big year. But conversely, uh, Mike Moustakas hasn't done a thing in spring training. And he really didn't do very much last year other than the last week of the season. So, you know, I think the Reds can can surpass that 81-and-a-half if you can get just average production out of Moustakas and Joey Botto can stay healthy and continue his good trend. I think you're right on those two guys, Castellanos and Moustakas. I think they're both going to have comeback years. So, yeah. If you want to take the over, eh, you might be in a good spot. Let's look at the division real, real quick before we let you go. St. Louis, even money in this division. Milwaukee, three to one. Cincinnati, seven to two. Cubs, five to one. Pirates are about a million to one. Your thoughts on that division as a whole? Well, um, you know, I play a few of uh, uh, let's let's just call them fun games in predictions myself for baseball over the year, and in both of my leagues. Um, I have exactly that order. I think the Cardinals uh, are, are probably going to be the fa- should be the favorites in the division, and it's all about one guy, Nolan Arenado, one of the great players in all of baseball. And you pair him up with uh, Paul Goldschmidt, who they got just a couple of years ago. Uh, they are very strong on those two corners, and if their pitching can hold up in what is a competitive but somewhat mediocre division, I think the Cardinals uh, could prevail. But they're, you know, they're hanging a lot on an old guy like Adam Wainwright themselves and Yadier Molina. So, you know, it's not a shoe in by any means. I think the Brewers are the team that really have the opportunity to break out. If things go their way with the bullpen that they have, Josh Hader is amazing, and uh, and the guys behind him, um, they they could be the breakout team. But they've got injury problems going in too. Lorenzo Kane is already hurt. Um, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is hurt going into the season. So there's question marks there. Uh, I, I like the Reds in the third spot in that division, and the Cubs are just a mess. Who knows what's going to happen there? And you're right about Pittsburgh. Uh, they've got to, you know, keep Brian Hayes at third base is going to be worth watching them. But beyond that, uh, you know, Pirates don't have much going for them. So I, li- I like the order you just uh, told us that the desert like. So I guess I'm on chalk with that. Well, uh, we'll take the Brewers. We'll put a bucket of pride with it on you with you. We'll take the Brewers. We love that bullpen a little more than you do. They're going to win this division, the Brewers. Alan Stein. The founder and former owner of the Lexington Legends. Thank you so much for giving us your insight on the Reds. We hope you'll come back on the bottom line in the future and give us some more uh, of your insights on this team. Well, let's hope we've got positive things to say. You know, the the last two or three years for the Reds uh, have had better expectations each year, and they started out pretty slowly. So let's let's hope they get off to a better start. All right, buddy. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it, man. You bet, Brad. Thanks, Talk sir. To you soon. All right, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. That's Alice Stein, 
the uh, former Grand Poobah, the Lexington Legends. We thank him for joining us today. Coming up after the break, we'll get you ready for the day on ESPN Radio. But first, make sure to check out IPM Pest and Termite. Get rid of all those pests and termites in your house because, as we all know, a friend in need is a pest. Our good friend Matt Schaefer, myipm.com. That's myipm.com. ESPN Radio, 92.5 and 1300. We are really up against it. We wanted to thank uh, Alan Stein for joining us. Uh, and thank you for listening to The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Top of the hour, Angelo Show. I'm sure he'll have a lot on the high school basketball tournament. Uh, he was the voice of the 11th region tournament for us. So uh, stay tuned for his views on uh, the Sweet 16 coming up this week. And, of course, every NCAA tournament game uh, will be played this afternoon starting at 2 o'clock here on ESPN Radio. Thanks again for joining us here on The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. Email anytime, BottomLineLex at gmail.com. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.